Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. rest of you out there across the nation and around the world welcome to the simmons car care shop talk show right here on espn tucson.com 1490 on your am dial 104.9 on your fm dial i'm jerry simmons your host riding shotgun with me mr jim mooney from frontier towing jimbo are you there good morning jerry good morning everybody happy to be here happy to have you with us Yep, we we're glad. Uh, everybody, hopefully, everybody's almost awake by now. You know, almost. I've been struggling a little bit, but that's normal for me. <laughs> so, you know, get your favorite drink for this early in the morning, like your coffee or your hot tea. Grab a pad and a pen. You never know what you're going to pick up on the Simmons Car Care Show uh, today. And also uh, on the uh, program, we are. Uh, you can pick a podcast up on Spotify, Spotify, uh, Stitches, and Sketchers, or Sketches. Uh, so you can hear this show later on during the week, and you can pick it up on these different stations as the uh, as we proceed with the Simmons Car Care Show. Do open line Saturday, you know, whatever's, whatever's tickling your fancy or you run across this past week and you're a little bit confused about it or you're getting ready to take off, uh, you know, it's wintertime, what do you need to do, blah, 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 you know, anything like that. Um, but one thing that I noticed real quick, <laughs> gas prices. I went over and filled up my diesel the other day, and it was three twenty, three nineteen, nine ninety nine, or whatever it is. 320. And I'm going, and I looked at the other prices on the regular gas, and it's 306 or something like that. And I'm going, holy cow. Well, we can't do anything about the gas prices, but we can do something about the way your machine processes the gas. And so I want to cover a few little, uh, little things that you can do to keep this, uh, keep this in check as best as you can. This portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. They've been around a long time, home-owned, grown, uh, 2018, voted the best uh, collision repair center in Arizona. So they're located at 4425 West Ina Road behind Jiffy Lube and a car wash. 
744-4454. They can do just about anything to a body, from body repair to painting, uh, headlight restorations, you know, get the, get the covers off of it. And I'm going to be going over a little bit of headlight restoration after a conversation that I had with Scott over at Parker Automotive, uh, yesterday. And it was, it was, it was interesting. And I'm going to present that to you later on. But right now we're going to get into a little bit of gas coverage here, gas issues. Because everybody loves to save a little bit of gas, and we're not quite sure where, what's robbing it from us, for lack of a better word, and it is. Jim, would you like to chime in on um, the gas before I get started on it? Because I think you know just about as much about this as I've written down. Well, I don't know what about that, you, What Jerry, do you think? I'll... What what <laughs> what do you think your number one thing to improve your gas fuel or your fuel economy or gas gas and fuel whatever goes in to burn the motor that you're driving what do you think the number one thing to do if you plan on saving some fuel or gas well there's there's two things that I can think of they they're they're kind of they're two different items but they they kind of go hand in hand I I'm gonna go with number one is tire pressure. I think if your tires are flat, it causes an. I know for a fact it causes an extreme amount of drag on the car, and burns a lot of fuel. <laughs> the other is driving habits. Unfortunately, if you're like me, you, you, the gas pedal has two positions, off and floored. So you know <laughs> you smash that you mash that gas pedal to the floorboard, and you are not getting very good fuel mileage. I have to periodically, <laughs> every day, remind myself that, you know, if I ease into the acceleration, it's not quite so bad. But, uh, you know, there's those days when you just want to, you know, mash the gas or even, uh, you know, put your foot on the brake and hold the gas pedal down to see how fast you can get her to go. Probably not recommended on on the streets, on the city streets. Well, not, not probably. Definitely not recommended on the city streets. Don't need to be racing out there because uh, then you're going to crash and you're going to call me and I'm going to come get you and then you're going to have to explain to me why you were why you were uh, doing something dumb. Oh, even worse, then you can explain to your your significant other why the car's front end is wrecked when um, it was totally avoidable. And that. That is not a conversation you want to have at 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday. Um, other than that... All right, so that... Jack, so you got jackrabbit starts. You want to stay away from that and your tire pressures. Tire pressures is really, really critical. And the only way I can explain that to you, if you have a wheelbarrow that has a pneumatic tire on it that you actually put air in, and you load that son of a gun down, you get ready to move it, and your tire's about half flat. It's almost impossible to move that wheelbarrow with that tire half flat. So you pump up the tire, take it back to where it's supposed to be, and all of a sudden you can roll that load pretty good. Well, you multiply that times four. You put it on the, and then add about uh, eh, 3,500 to 4,000 pounds on top of that. And try to move that, and then you realize how much energy it takes to move that load. And you don't have to be a, a scientist to figure this out. It's it, it's pretty common 
But if you'll just remember the analogy of the wheelbarrow with a flat tire or half flat tire, and of course anybody that has a wheelbarrow that has air-filled tires on it, whether it be one or two, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when it doesn't have a proper air in it. Uh, a car, just like a wheelbarrow, you have to check them every now and then before you get ready to use them to make sure you've got the least amount of rolling resistance that you can possibly have on that. Now, one little side note. I was driving down golf links this past week, and I noticed a little car in a far right-hand lane driving about 40 miles an hour, 45. I'm surprised they hadn't run over him because that is not the speed limit. That is not the street speed limit <laughs> on golf links. And uh, I come up to him, and he's running one of those little donut tires on the left front. The donut tire probably had about 20 pounds in it. They carry about 65 pounds, and this guy was running it. And that goes right along with what we've been saying on this radio program for probably 15 years. you got to check the spare tire to make sure that you have it inflated. Now, he was lucky. He was around town, so he could probably find a, a, a service station or a, a tire shop where he could air up the tire. But it was quite evident it was going to work time, so I assume he was trying to get to work with that little spare tire that was just as close. The rim was as close to the ground as anything I've ever, <laughs> I've ever seen without it ripping the tire apart but he had slowed it down he was doing due diligence had his little emergency blinkers on and but it was because his spare tire was flat check your spare tire especially that little donut tire the donut tire is designed to run about 50 miles an hour for 50 miles and then you're supposed to have it fixed or replaced by then and I, I know they'll run further than that because I watched one guy drive for two weeks when I was running back and forth to, to work on a daily basis. And I could, I'd see the guy. He'd run that little old bitty tire on the right rear of his little car. And I'm saying, well, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's close to 50 miles if he drives that thing as, many, as long as I've been watching him drive it. Check your spare tire. Make sure you have air in the spare. And they're supposed to be around 60, 65 pounds. If you have 60, you probably can get away with it. 65, I think, is what they have in them or recommended. And they are for temporary. They're a Band-Aid for tires until you can get the other tire repaired and back on the car. Don't forget to spare. Pump your tires up. Make sure that they're carrying uh, the what's recommended on the car, on the door panel, and you can take it to that, or you can go to the tire itself and look on there and find out what the cold max pressure is on this tire. Keep in mind, after you drive a car about 10 miles, the tire pressure is not going to be the same as it would be sitting in your garage, sitting in your carport, and you check it that morning before you take off. There's going to be a world of difference there. It could go up to 10 to 15 pounds depending on how low it is, because the flexibility of the sidewalls and the tire while you're driving heats that son of a gun up. And then you drive into a fuel station and you say, okay, I've got to top this thing off because the fuel prices are done stupid. 
and we're going to get it before it goes up any higher, which is the normal buying habits of the American driving public. And then you check your tires there. Well, you've already driven it about eight, ten miles, and the tire pressure has changed. So what you're measuring is not what it originally was, cold. Always check your tires when they're cold, and that will give you a true reading. Then you air it up from there, and then you can drive. And you can, if you're looking for the optimum fuel, you go to the max tire pressure on the, that's on the sidewall of the tire. This is the, what, it's good and it's bad. Good because you're going to get better fuel economy because you cut the rolling resistance. You took that out of the equation. So you drive it and you say, oh my gosh, this thing rides like a truck. Well, I own a truck. And you know, when you put 80 pounds in these tires on a pickup truck, the hind end is kind of light and you feel every little pebble in the road and you say, wow, rides like a truck. Yeah, no kidding. However, the fuel mileage increases. So if you, you know, you're going to give away a little smoothness on the ride. The door plate is calculating everything based on comfort to the driver, comfort to the car owner. So when you drive, you've got ratings on the tires. And then don't give me this stuff about, oh, well, if I put too much air in it, then the uh uh, tire pressure monitoring system is going to catch me and it's going to, light's going to come on and all that stuff. Well, I didn't see it in my diesel. I didn't see it in my diesel. And, uh, most of your late model vehicles, they actually, uh, cover that when it goes up. You can get away with a little bit better, uh, results by driving it up. Fuel economy, I know, is going to be better. You can carry a bigger load. I got that from the manufacturer, tire manufacturers. Uh, so they say, yeah, if you're running, you can actually go over cold. I don't want you to do that. I want you to go, just go cold max. And, you know, if the load is that heavy, you're probably overloaded anyway. Okay. So that tires are super critical on this. A uh, front end alignment with tires is super critical on this. And Jim, why would that be? Why is a front end alignment or, or or an alignment on a vehicle critical for fuel mileage? Front end or four wheel alignment today? Yep. I guess most everything yep. today does four wheel alignment. So what happens in your yep. in your? We'll just go with front end because it's the easiest one to describe. If when you're driving down the road and in, you know when your car's new, you can take your hand off the wheel for a second and it drives nice and straight. Even in Tucson roads, it drives nice and straight. Uh, over time, the car bushings wear, ball joints wear, uh, suspension components wear, they, or they get moved, uh, damaged from, well, Tucson roads and potholes again. And potholes ever are mm-hmm. pretty strong, guys. They're surprisingly for, for as, for as uh, small as a pothole is, it's very strong on your front end. So what happ- what takes place is your front end gets out of alignment. So what does that mean? That means that the tires no longer point perfectly straight or as straight as they're supposed to point. The 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 camber and the casters off, which are the which are the dry which are the front end alignment angles that help make your car go straight and help the help the car drive on the roads because roads aren't perfectly straight. Uh, and what happens is now the tire drags, and now the tire is dragging down the road sideways. 
Think of it as, as you putting your hand out and just pushing along the side of the road. It it just in the water. Think of think of pushing your hand in the water straight with your fingers straight or turning it sideways. What's going to happen? Your hand's going to feel more water pressure against it. Same thing happens with your tire. So it it, it starts scrubbing the tires, wearing the tires, um, and that, that extra rolling resistance means your your motor's got to work a little harder. You got to give it a little more gas. A little more gas means a little less fuel economy. And four wheel alignments on on rear suspensions, rear struts, um, the back. The even though today's many cars, not all, but most cars are front wheel drive. Even with the back out of alignment now, um, helps cause the uh, an ex- a uh, another rolling resistance, which makes the car just that harder to push down the road. Because we're all because the whole point of of you going down the road with a car to get good fuel mileage is to roll nice and straight down the road as easy as possible. That's why the tire pressure is a big thing. Doesn't doesn't go too well right. with flat tires. Right. That's that. So how? That's do, a how good. That's a good explanation. How do we fix our alignment? If then? you, oh, Jerry. Uh, yeah. Huh? How do we fix our alignment problem? Fix your alignment problem. Yeah, if, if the car's out of alignment, how do we fix that? What do we do? How do we know the car's oh, out of alignment? It, Let's ask that question, Jerry. How do we know the car's out of alignment? What well, we you look at your tires, and if your car's out of alignment, there's going to be some weird patterns on your tires. That is the first thing that I look at to see. If you're driving down the road, and I've heard all the, all the excuses, well, the roads are tilted so that they bleed the water off, and you know, so you're going down a road and it's pulling to the right, which is to the op- to the outside of the road, and you think, well, it's just the way the uh, uh, the road is angled. No, they're not angled that far. If you're pulling to the right, you've got a problem. It could just be a low tire on a low tire pressure on that particular front end. Uh, on that side that pulls you to the right. And so you're hanging on to the steering wheel. And the reason you know it's pulling to the right because you're having to pull the steering wheel to the left. Okay? And you get a feathering. It, you can take your hand, run it across the top of the tire, when you, not when it's running, of course, and you can feel some feathering coming across on the tire tread itself. It's not smooth. And if you want to get used to what you're feeling on those, take a brand new set of tires, run your hand across it, or run your hand across all four tires. And if it front ends out of alignment, the front will have a feather. You'll have a little grip, something like a little little pieces of rubber coming off that are ground off to where you can actually feel the tread as you go across very lightly, just slide your hand across it and you can feel the tread with little lumps or little shaves. Feels like it's trying to shave your hand or something. And then you can go to the back, go the back tire on the same car and run your hand across it and see if you've got the same feeling of that tire. Now the front tires work a little different than the rear tires because front is a steering. So you're going to be turning to the right. You're going to be turning to the left. If you've got a front end that's uh, toe is out, you're going to have the little feathers across the front end. That's a telltale story. You need to get in and get it fixed, straightened up before 
it takes that tire out. It will wear that tire out a heck of a lot faster than it will if it's aligned. If you're running uh, the casting camber, if, if that's an issue on the front end, you can see tire uneven tire wear on the inside of the tire, and it'll be wearing out faster than the middle or the outside of the tire. And then you can, if you've got another, if it's a toe-in issue, you're going to have the outside of the tire wearing out and on both sides on the front end, on both sides on the front end. If you've got a uh, issue with your suspension components, like a tie rod end or a ball joint or something, you can run, you can wear a tire out on the right side, or you can wear the tire out on the left side. Normally, that's a bad part that's causing this, and you just didn't hit a pothole that moved everything around and caused the whole front end to go out. And that you can see on a lot of these independent suspension cars you can go down a road i've seen one with the right rear tilted out on the different on the back of the car following it down the road the right rear the top was tilted out i look on the left side and the top is tilted in so he's got one tire <laughs> that's tilted in one tire that's tilted out trust me that little suv needed a all-wheel alignment to correct this problem um, tire pressures, if you have not enough tire pressure and you're at the bottom of the uh, TPS monitoring spectrum and the light hadn't come on yet, but your tire pressures are low and very seldom will that happen. And it takes a long time to start wearing the tires out when you're still inside that parameter of the tire pressure monitor. So it can wear out and it'll wear out the outside of the tires with low tire pressure. Both both sides will be wearing out. The middle will look fine. The outside will be worn, wearing down and not equal. That means that your tire pressure is too low. If you put the tire pressure up and they say too high, it'll wear the center of the tire down more than it will the outside of the tire. That's the reason I don't recommend going over the, the uh, cold max pressure. If you go past that cold max pressure, you're overinflated the tire. That's when you're going to wear the center out. And when you're filling up a tire and you don't have a tire gauge, you just put it in say, okay, that's got to be pretty close. It's kind of like charging the air conditioning and not knowing how much Freon you're putting in it. But the tires will tell you the story. Your good tire shops, your good garages like Parker Automotive, uh, Simmons, uh, Automotive Specialists, they can look at your tires and pretty much tell you what's going on with the front end. And, well, you got a suspension component going out, and that is just a starting place for these guys because then they got to put it up on the rack and find out for real what's worn out in order to help you cure this tire problem and increase your fuel economy and save you some bucks on tires. And I've heard the argument. In fact, I said it. You know, I'm sure there's a tire special somewhere, and uh, so you can buy three and get one free if uh, you think that that's a good special. But you need to get your tires fixed because if you have a front-end alignment problem and you're driving a freeway, you come down, and all of a sudden you jump on the front brakes, 
and or you jump on the brakes on the car and the thing ducks and dives. It'll move to the right, it'll move to the left. You you probably have some suspension components that's worn out and that your car's out of alignment. And so, you know, what you think is going to happen when you lock that sucker down and when you do is probably going to be two different things. So that's the reason the front end alignment, a all-wheel alignment, even on a P, uh, the pickups now, we put all the gauges on the front tires and the rear tires. We get everything where it goes down the road straight. There is such a thing as a spring pin on the leaf springs that break on the differential that'll allow the unit, the differential, to move one tire closer to the front from the rear versus the other tire. One moves to the front, one stays in position or tries to, and what that does, it sets the rear end following down the road with the left tire, let's let's say it's a left pin that's broken in the spring. The left tire is going to be scraping down the road. The right tire is going to be scraping a little bit down the road, but the left one has moved further than the right one, so the rear differential is out of alignment also. And you will wear the tires out. And you will notice it because the truck is going to go down the road with a hind end not tracking the front end. And it needs to go down the road straight. And over the last 46 years we've been working on vehicles, we've seen that. We've seen that. If you've got 200,000 miles on a, a truck that you've been using for commercial work or you do a lot of heavy stuff around the ranch or farm or whatever, uh, you can break those pins, you can break a leaf spring, and you have a unequal, unequal differential. And then on the front end, around 100,000 miles with the diesels, like my Dodge diesels, uh, Ford diesels, at about 100,000 miles, those front springs actually lose um, strength because they're spring steel. They have a memory. They they sit there with that big 1,100-pound engine in there, and they push down on that front end. You hit, you drive the roads. It bounces up and down, and you've got this extra weight up there on those springs. At around 100,000 miles, and when you're doing a proper front-end alignment, you need to check the ride height on this vehicle. And if I did, I had a 90, uh, 2003 with a V10 in it in a motorhome, a F450 motorhome. The front end at 46,000 miles, the front suspension had collapsed over two inches because of the springs wasn't stout enough to hold up that coach. Changed the springs in it, went some heavy-duty springs, stepped it up over the stock 450, uh, took the front end back up. Then we were successful in a good alignment that you could drive down the road. So when you're running around 100,000 miles, don't forget to check the coil springs. They're just sitting there. They're not making any noise. They're not squeaking. They're not popping. They're just not working like they're supposed to. So once you get all of that ride height corrected, get the vehicle driving down the road like it's supposed to drive down the road, your tire mileage is going to be better. Your fuel mileage is going to be better. So... Is a front-end alignment uh, critical? Oh, yeah. You need to have a front-end alignment checked um, about once a year. And in Tucson, don't be surprised if you don't have to have it corrected. <laughs> but it, it, I shouldn't just pick on Tucson. You know, I've seen on uh, YouTube 
there was a police officer standing in a pothole. The pothole come up past his halfway up past the pockets on his pants, and that was in Michigan. So we don't have potholes like that here yet. We've got some good ones that'll turn your vehicle sideways when you hit, but that's a rarity. Tucson's keeping up pretty good with the potholes. So front end alignment, critical. Don't forget to do it. When you have tires put on the vehicle, and by the way, Parker Automotive sells tires also, and they put it on the state-of-the-art equipment, and they get your front-end alignment. They do a full-wheel alignment. Uh, so once you get your tires on there, you get it completed, get that front-end alignment on that son of a gun, make sure that you're driving what you think you should drive, and then you can feel comfortable when you decide to go to Phoenix without wiring a set of tires out on a single trip. But it's real critical. It has everything to do when you're coming down and you hit the brakes on the freeway from 75 or 105, whatever you're running. But if you don't have good suspension components, such as shocks and struts, then this thing's going to dance around. When you come down, uh, your weight's going to keep shifting from one side to the other, and it gets a little miserable when you're coming down on an emergency stop. And unless you're a NASCAR driver, know know how to turn that thing around at 190 miles an hour. Uh, it's 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 not good. Tires when they're low, they will build air pressure when you drive them. So remember, check them cold. Check them cold. If you check them cold and they are up to they're up to where they're supposed to be, you're good to go. But checking them eight miles later when you pull in to get gas is they're already heated up. The tire pressure has already changed from when they were cold. So that's that should be uh, just about everything. Any questions you have on the front end alignments or tire pressures or tires and stuff, you can give us a call, 719-1490, 719-1490. All right, now Jim's already covered the jackrabbit starts. We beat tire pressures up pretty good. Um, Let me just add Lighten the load. Line. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Let me add one. Let me add one thing about the alignments. So, um, when when you're running your vehicle with low tire pressure and bad alignment, it it causes a lot of um, inaccurate readings on the tires. Like it's really difficult to tell what's wrong with the with the front end because you got two two conditions, two major conditions going on. So, front, low tire pressure and and bad alignment can make tires look really difficult to diagnose for a front end. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know people don't know this, but Jerry talks about, you know, the state-of-the-art alignment equipment. I've done front-end alignments years ago, and I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of angles that are involved. You need to be geometry wizard to make this work. That, and there's, there's the caster angle. There's the camber angle. There's thrust angle, there's setback, there's the ride height, there's towing out on turns, there's the included angles. Um, just and and all of those are interrelated. It's really it's really interesting because when you move one, all the others move too. So how do you get all of them lined up all together? Well, this is where Jerry talks about the state of the art equipment. No lie, guys, this stuff is really good. The the computers on these are so good and so accurate. When one one wheel or one tire is moved, it can recalculate all the the 15 other angles that go involved with that and tell the technician, hey, can you move this here? 
now that you've moved now that you've adjusted the the um the tie rod end now let's look at the camber and the caster how did that get affected it makes life substantially easier i mean i used to do it on an old hunter machine that had little things that clinked on with bubbles and it, and it, the, the big laugh of, in the century back in the many years ago was set the toe let it go forget about everything else because you can't because it's too hard to figure out so but today with the stuff that these guys have it's amazing I mean, I, it would be interesting just to watch you could, when you watch the guys work. It's it's truly an art form, very amazing. And anybody that really does it for a profession, like Jerry or Parker or or um, Brian Fuller, those guys know. And it's 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 you you will walk out of there with your jaw dropped, going, "Oh my God, I had no idea." And it's because you guys don't do it for a living. Um, I just want to throw that out there because it's it's reading tires and doing alignments is. Truly, truly a skill. I just want to say that, Jared. Absolutely. The reading the tires, uh, a consumer can read a tire and look at the front end and say, uh, but when you're looking at the tire tread, a recommendation is when you park it, you just before you shut it off, turn the wheels to the right or turn the wheels to the left and do both. And then look at your tires. Look at your tire. Get it out in the sunlight where you can actually see it. One, it'll tell you if you've got any uh, dry cracks in the tire uh, tread. And two, you can actually sit, sit back and look at it and see what your tire conditions are. You know, everybody's familiar with the wire bars on a tire. That goes down, you say, and that wire bar says, holy crap, my tires wore out. It's, it's down to where it's becoming unsafe now. Um, so you, uh, it, it, it talks, it, it, you can actually read the tires yourself, but if you've got a worn tire on the inside and it's not worn the same on the outside, there's an issue. So it's just a way for you to actually look at it and say, well, maybe I do need to take it in. Now, the recommendation on that front end is have a front-end alignment check at least once a year, depending on road conditions and what you've been doing with the vehicle. The other issue that you have is for the people that are towing travel trailers or heavy loads off the bumper, that actually changed the way the tires on the front of the vehicle hit the ground because your, your weight transfer is not there. You don't have the equalizer bars hooked up. You don't have it properly set, and so you go down the road and you carry in the front end. Well, when you pick it up, a suspension, actually, you take the weight off the suspension up front. So it picks the front end up and it tries to carry it. Well, that changed the way the tires actually hit the road. So you have to pay attention to that, too. So if you know you're going to be towing, I, I had a motorhome. I actually hooked the big horse trailer to the bumper on it. Um and went in to have it low. The trailer was heavy enough to change the front end. So when I went in, you have to, what we did was you calculated, we seen what it was doing, and then we calculated to allow for it to run up like that. And that was the alignment. Well, when you take it, the bumper, take the trailer off the bumper, it drops the front end down. So now it's not going to run as smooth, so you have to make a decision. Do I want it operating when I'm, I'm towing, or do I want it to be operated uh, when I'm not towing? 
because it will change, and it'll change a little bit. But if you do it consistently, it will give you a little hard to stir up front because it moves your front end around on you. And don't, uh, another thing keep in mind when you're doing a front end alignment or you're towing. And if, if it front end, if it feels like it's porpoising, uh, moving back and forth, like it's floating in the road. All right. Don't forget the rear springs. If you've got a motorhome, they try to make these things ride as smooth as silk. And yet when you load them down, they become a little pain in the butt on the road because every time a, 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 a Volkswagen passes you, the wind current changes the way you're having to drive. Make sure if the front end is, feels like you're chasing it back and forth, left to right, left to right, left to right, once you verify that it's not a front end, tires are wearing out on it, don't forget the, diff, the back end. Go the back end and fix it. That normally cures the road swinging from the front to the, you're constantly driving it. In other words, get the weight transferred back up to the front end, get the load balanced, and it'll drive a heck of a lot better. And, I mean, I've seen that. I've done that. Uh, that's the reason we're trying to help you out as much as we possibly can. So I anything that else you want to add on? For, go ahead. I live that every day. Tow trucks. Unloaded on the uh, while driving, loaded while towing. Every single day, we have front ends that that the geometry changes on every job. So we drive empty to a to a site, and then we pick up our the broke down vehicle and we drive it back. So every other transaction, it changes the geometry on the front end of our trucks every single day. Every single day, we well, do that exact maneuver. Yeah. Yep. And it's yep. and I can tell you for a fact that it is ch- chasing front end tires and chasing front end alignments on our trucks is the never ending battle. I mean, there's no good happy medium because we don't know what we're picking up in the way of a loaded vehicle. Right. We, you know, you're, you're picking up a vehicle, <laughs> and you know it could be a little it could be a little car, but you know it could be a, it could be a F three fifty dually with a camper and a trailer. Well, that's pretty substantial weight, and even with heavy trucks and uh, big trucks, there's a there's a shift in in weight distribution. We can watch our rear mm-hmm. tires go from you know perfectly fine conditions to incredibly loaded. You can actually watch sidewall depression um, on big trucks yep. when you when you're towing them. Yep. Um, you can watch the front end. You can watch the front end unload. You can actually watch the front end of the of the tow truck. Unload and the springs release as as you pick up the the towed vehicle, and there's all kinds yep. of tricks that you can do. But in reality, what happens is, is every single day our trucks drive with with dynamic alignments. That's what we call it, dynamic alignments, because you can never keep it straight, because you just because it just it's impossible due to the fact of the nature of our industry. Um, so yeah, yep. so we hear when you, when he says uh, check check your springs, check your tires. Check your load distribution. Oh, I I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah, you need to make sure, and especially if you're going a long distance, you want to make sure that that thing is set up perfectly so that you so you don't have to call me. So you can make it to Alpine or or Lake uh, up to up to Big Lake up there um, by Pine Top. Go fishing, and there's not an issue. 
because you're going to go up and down a bunch of hills. You're going to go over a bunch of rough terrain, and having it, having your your tow rig set up uh, properly is is key, very key. And if you don't know oh, what yeah. to do, call somebody. Call somebody and have them help you, or call us. I'll, call me. I'll come help you. I don't care. I'd rather I'd rather see you get there than than have to come get you. I had um, for the ones of you out there that run around the RV sales over the COVID nineteen period it just skyrocketed, and people are towing stuff with vehicles they shouldn't be towing with, and they're pulling bumper pulls and stuff like that. And uh, they go in and they say and they buy this trailer, beautiful trailer, and they got a half ton truck, and the trailer's about thirty foot. And they put it on the bumper. Well, the bumper weight on it is incredible. And they say, well, I can, uh, it'll be, it'll be all right. You know, it tows all right from the dealership over to the house. So it's got to be all right on the freeway. Well, you're not running the same speeds and you need to keep that load as close to level as you possibly can while you're going down the road. And if you'll do that, and the only way I know to do that is you have to buy the equalizer bars and you put it on, you jack that son of a gun up, you preload those, uh, that, those arms on the equalizer, and then you set it down on it. Everything is nice and pretty. You walk back out and you take a look at it sitting on a level surface and you look at it and see if your truck is the same, if everything is perfectly level from the front of your truck to the hind end of your whatever you're towing. If that whole system is level, looks like it's supposed to be, then that's a good starting point. Uh, if you go down the road and it starts to bounce around a little bit, starts to move too much in the front end, remember what I said about the rear end. So jack those, tighten those, pick one more chain link up on those bars, and that should cure your problem. Uh I had uh, an F-250 that was modified just a little bit, and I was towing a 17,000-pound uh, trailer. And I noticed when I was up in Wickenburg, I checked, I carried a little uh, temperature gun with me, and I shot the rear tires. They were 60, pound, 60 degrees hotter than the front. And I'm going, wow, the fifth wheel is exactly where the manufacturer said its fifth wheel is supposed to be, the hitch for the front of that trailer, and uh, in the in the bed of the truck. So I come back to Tucson, and I started thinking, well, you know, it's not right, and it's perfectly the way it's supposed to be, and there is no uh, adjustment for towing a gooseneck or a fifth wheel. You can't say, okay, I'm going to take up the, the the balance issue with it. And so I had to take that thing in, and I moved the ball in the trailer three and one-half inches. had to cut another hole in the bed of my truck, which didn't make my wife too happy. But going to El Paso the next weekend, I checked it in Lordsburg with the heat gun. I was within two degrees front wheel to rear wheels, pulling 17,000 pounds. So there is the difference. You just move these things around just because, oh, yeah, well, this is, a, and I looked it up. It's a, That thing was put in exactly where it was supposed to put in. 
And I actually had to go up and borrow some more uh, holes in the frame in order to move that thing up. But the fix was perfect. It towed perfect after that. It started, uh, stopped better, handled better, drove better. So, you know, that's just a little bit of extra information that I think just because it's setting exactly where the manufacturer said it was supposed to be, especially on the four-door vehicles. If you're driving a one-ton standard cab, you can put that ball right there and it'll be fine. But for some reason, if you're driving a uh, four-door and you move it back, you're going to have a weight problem. I had the same thing with a cab over camper on a extended cab. It moves the load toward the rear. It lightens the front end. So there is a lot of stuff going. But you have so many options. You have airbags, independent airbags you can put on the rear differential to level that load out. And if you can't, uh, but it has to be that way. The anti-sway bars on these trailers. Now, Jim, you pick up a lot of this stuff out on the road. How critical is that anti-sway bar, the one that keeps that trailer from whipping on the back, in addition to the load levelers, the load transfer bars? What oh, they're, they're invaluable. Anti-sway bars. They're invaluable. They they help. One one of the things people forget when they're hauling a trailer is that is exactly what you're saying: load distribution. Now what when uh, when a OEM builds a trailer, they they put like the water tanks in the back, they put the refrigerator in the front, or the bed up front, so that the, the when that trailer leaves their manufacturing facility, it's level over the over the axles, right? That right. doesn't mean you go into your go into your RV and you put everything that you own in the very front of the RV because that affects the load. So when you're loading, it's important that you kind of distribute it across the the entire unit. That being said, what happens is the 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 bars, the anti sway bars, and the load leveling bars help. What they do is they now they're they're tricky. They can you got to be careful when you put them on because you got to snap them in. But what that does, it actually helps make the the trailer and the truck almost as a single unit. So it it helps it helps bring that that it's like extending the frame together. It, uh, even though it still pit, has to pivot with a bumper pull, it helps keep that it helps keep your your uh, um, unit from from bending in the middle, so to speak. So it it. It allows you to transfer weight more forward or more backwards accordingly because because you've reinforced the hitch system on there. It, and it, it goes a long way. Um, not to say that I haven't seen one wrecked like that, but still, they it's usually because they've done something else stupid, like, you know, driving crazy. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Crash is going to occur if you if, you, if you're really not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 you know, you know, but the vehicle is not the fault, guys. You know, I mean, if if you you're, this is what the cops tell us. You know, this is what law enforcement tells us. You're behind the wheel. You have the control of the brake pedal. If you don't step on the brake and get off the side of the road, it's all your fault. <laughs> you need to get use the brake pedal. It's it is your friend when you're driving. So. Um, but yeah, that those uh, those anti sway bars are immensely immensely helpful. They very they they will yeah. they will distribute load. Uh, I surprisingly, you know, as little as they are, <clears throat> for what they do, it it they I'm I'm just impressed on how well they work. Now, 
they take a little bit of work to put on. You got to get them all set up right. Once you do that, you're good to go. But on top of that, you know, don't fill your pickup truck with, you know, with everything in the back to help put more weight on the back of the truck. You want to kind of distribute it evenly across the entire vehicle. And and mm-hmm. what and what Jerry's talking about about the the hitch location. So the longer the wheelbase, the the better the better the steering you get to have. Um, because yep. it's it, think think of it this way: you if you're on a teeter totter and uh, um, there's a there's a there's two kids on one end and there's one kid on the other end. That one kid's not going to push down the two kids, right? Well, if you move the if you move the the pivot point a little bit, it will work. And what happens right. is when you get that longer wheelbase, you get it's just basically it's like a big lever arm out there. That a little another foot or two foot of 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 engine hanging out in front of the rear wheels. Hey, you know what? It helps hold it down because it's a bigger lever arm. It's very simple. Right. Um, when we when it we do trucks, also, when we build trucks. Uh huh. Go ahead. Well, when we build tow trucks, you know, you see big tow trucks with big sleeper bursts on them, right? Big sleepers on them. Mm-hmm. Nobody in tow trucks use sleepers per se. They're not. It's not. We don't go that far. But it it makes the truck longer, so the truck works better. Now it's a, it's a double edged sword. You know, a super long truck means can't get into a to a tight place. But it's better to have your steering than not. So, and I and I can attest to you the 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 differences in short wheelbase versus long wheelbase because I. I see it every day. I live it every day. There's a combination of oh, yeah. of trying to trying to make a vehicle optimal to um, to tow your stuff down the road. And we go over it all the time. We look at we look at numbers. We look at forces. We look at everything, and then we look at how how the application is going to be used. That's why trucks are all different lengths. Sometimes you just right. you need a little one. And sometimes you need a big one. So. But yeah, those those bars are yeah. great. They really are great. They they work really well. Just make sure you get them. And if you balance, if you balance the load, like if you pull in a bumper pull and you use the uh, bars on it, they've got a sway bar, the one that goes on the side that keeps the trailer from whipping back and forth or slows it down because it's like a shock absorber. And then you've got the bars that transfers the weight to the front. What I used to do on my trailers is I would go ahead and put the trailer, hook it up, and then roll the jack down to the ground, jack that son of a gun up just past the point of being level. In other words, a little bit higher in the middle. Then I would load, hook my chains up, and then it didn't break your arm when you're trying to preload that thing. And then you just <laughs> let the jack down and check to see if you got it right or not. Then take a black permanent marker and mark the chain length that you actually put in the holder to take the torque that takes the torque up. And then next time you hook it up, you just you do the same way. But if you want to do it easy, go ahead and put the jack down, jack the whole hind end up just past the point of level, and then hook your chains up and then let the roll the jack back up and you're sitting right on the spot. If you back into it, you jack the trailer up and say, okay, I'm going to hook it up. And you can, you can back it and center the ball over the, uh, or center the hitch over the ball. And if you do it that way, well, if you have that preload on that thing, you might have a problem getting it down to stay on the ball once you get it down there because the ball is the pivot point that carries that load. 
Do not use a cheap ball on these things. Get the one-inch ball, uh, the threads that goes through, and that holds a lot better than the little uh, lighter weight balls. But when you put that thing on, and keep in mind, when you hit the brakes and you got trailer brakes, what happens to a load? It's like wearing a seatbelt and coming to a, a, a quick stop. Everything moves forward. So if you're already running low in the center and you hit the brakes, everything transfers down. Your weight goes from about 300 pounds on that ball to about 1,500 because everything transfers and pushes down. If you're already giving it an angle, it pushes down even harder. If you have the load level and everything set proper, when you hit the brakes on the truck and the trailer, it's all going to stop straight because you've got four-wheel now brakes on the front end. You've got your weights on the front end of the vehicle, so your tires won't just smoke going through an intersection like happened to me one time. And it gives you four-wheel rubber-to-the-road braking, and then the trailer's got their four wheels on them. Most of them do. And you've got good braking now. All wheels on the ground need to be braking. And then if you do that, then you have a safe stop. If not, you slide through the Durand intersection up in Chandler like I did. Enough smoke coming off of the front of my tires that it actually flattened the tires as far as the tread. It ground up spots out, and so you go down the road with thump, thump, thump. But, you know, still you're already out. You can't go get them repaired. You look at them and say, well, that's not bad. It's just annoying. And um, then when you get back to Tucson, you buy a new set of front tires for one ton. But it does not stop worth a crap when you don't have your brake set on the trailer and you're running with the load not properly distributed and you have that front end picking up just a little bit and all of a sudden you go through the intersection and nothing you can do but sit down on the horn and smoke through the entire intersection. And I was only running 45 mile an hour, by the way. And um, But that was with something that didn't have disc rotor brakes on the rear. So that's the best thing to ever come up with. So there, there's my story, and I lived it and survived, but I don't recommend it because when you're smoking, and I mean the tires were just like I was doing a burnout. They were, it was embarrassing. It scared me to death. Uh, thank goodness I had a good horn on it, and everybody was giving me room to come on through because there wasn't nothing I could do. There wasn't nothing. And then went on through the intersection. Then it stopped. And uh, then I got out and took a look at it. Said, yeah, well, here's here's where the issue is. I, I loaded in a hurry. I assumed it was okay. And never assume on something like that. Double check it. Have somebody, you know, have the wife go back and say, does this look right to you? Sure what it looks like when it's right. And then go back and ask her if it looks right. Because, you know, they can sew a stitch and make it perfect. Uh, and the, besides, you're carrying a very valuable load. You're carrying your horses, you're carrying your wife, your kids, and it's just something that you don't play around with. If you don't know how to do it, find somebody that does and listen to them. And when you've been driving and towing, I've been towing something since I was five. I was raised on a farm. I've been towing that long, and trust me, I'm not five anymore. And I have seen just about every combination in the world as far as towing, because I have literally been towing all my life. 
And so when I say the tires on, you load your truck up. You said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let the air out of the back tires down to about 55 mile an hour on this pickup because I'm running empty, and it rides a lot better. Yeah, it rides a lot better because there's no weight back there at all. And then you put a trailer hitch uh, on it. You put a uh, travel trailer behind you or a bumper pull, and there's the weight. Well, you forgot to increase your tires on the back to cold max pressure. You're going to get some wiggle on the road. If you're running the wrong tire for the load, you're going to get a little bit of movement on the back end of it. You can feel it after you've been towing a while. Take my word for it. You will feel it. It will move around. Uh, that brings up the towing with the dually versus a single wheel. The dually is more stable. Absolutely more stable. When I go to pull with a, a three-quarter ton or one-ton single-wheel rear, I up the tires. I make sure they're a good quality 10-ply minimum, and I have put 14-ply on the back of them, depending on the load that I know I'm going to be carrying. And there you save yourself a lot of grief. We're running just about out of time on the first hour, Jim. I think we we probably beat the towing up. But I sure hope people are listening because everything we've told you has come from experience from both sides of the host here today, the for Jim and for me. And I am a tow person. I tow, and Jim has to come and get a lot of people <laughs> because they really yep. hadn't got the experience and they're having to learn the hard way. And we're trying to keep you from that because I know a lot of people are buying your vehicles. Get the right vehicle for the job that you plan on doing. Do your own research. You know, they're in the business to sell RVs and travel trailers and stuff. You do your own checkout. Find out what you can tow with this half ton. Find out what you can tow with a three-quarter ton. I see people use a half ton. They put enough suspension on them where it would go. You know, you could load that thing with a caterpillar in the back of the bed of the truck and it wouldn't go down. However, you're forgetting the bearings on the axles and the frame. The bearings on the axle and the frame. The frame's got to be set up. It's got to be properly. You have to have enough frame in it to actually carry the load. You have to have enough uh Bearings, you know, full floater bearings. That's what most of your three quarter and one tons are. They do make a single floater three quarter ton, which is one bearing carrying the load or two bearings carrying the load that you would have four bearings carrying if it was a full floater rear end. And yes, I had a guy that I knew years ago, it's a quick story, carried a big 11 and a half foot camper on a half ton Ford truck, older Ford truck. It'll carry anything. And I said, Bobby, this thing is going to burn a bearing and start a fire because you've got brake fluid close to that bearing. When that, everything starts rotating and everything starts heating up, it's going to start looking for something to burn. Well, about probably three months, four months later, he was coming back from Phoenix, coming through Phoenix. All of a sudden, he looks back and he's got a fire on the rear left of this truck. It burnt a bearing out because he was overloaded. He's gotten away with it. He thought he was good to go. And no, he did not get away with it. And it took out his truck and his camper. So this is no joke. When you're doing that stuff, make sure you have the correct information before you hit the road. 
How much time we got left, Andrew? Uh, you got 15 seconds, Jerry. All right. Well, we're done for the first hour. Stick around. We'll be back with the Simmons Car Care Show on ESPN Tucson in a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. 